You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 194, Britt Nichols of ExamSoft. That's what the O'Hare baggage service said to me. We think your garment bags in Stuttgart, Germany. There must be 50 ways to lose your luggage. I said, again, it must take roomfuls of your files. I should wish my missing bags received their frequent flyer miles. No doubt they've earned a trip to the Polynesian... Hi, this is Rod Murray. Welcome back to my podcast. That was a teaser called 50 Ways to Lose Your Luggage by Robert Lund of the Funny Music Project. Now, the country has been opening up, even though the pandemic is not really over. And I know there's plenty of pent-up demand for traveling, whether you're doing that by car or air. So I thought you might appreciate this song. So as usual, I'll play the full song at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rods Pods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. Today is my interview with Britt Nichols. He's the Senior Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer of ExamSoft. ExamSoft, as you might know, is a leading provider of educational assessment technology. Quote, our secure assessment platform allows educators to more efficiently create, administer, grade, and analyze assessments with the goal of improving student performance and streamlining curricular design and accreditation reviews. End quote. So today we talk about Britt's background and all the features and many of the features of ExamSoft. I wasn't aware of how many things they do. Of course, it's grown significantly over the past couple of years. In terms of full disclosure, the University of the Sciences does use ExamSoft, so I have been familiar with them for a while. So we talk about ExamSoft, their reporting and email-making platform, Examplify, the exam taker application, ExamNow, which is audience response polling, ExamID, facial authentication, exam monitor, proctoring, exam score, rubric development, and the recent partnership with ProctorU for authentication and proctoring, and the fact that they were acquired by Turnitin. And at the end, we talk about the future of using data to improve learning outcomes. So without further ado, here is my interview with Britt Nichols. Britt, it's so nice to have you here. I'm anxious to learn more about ExamSoft. I've uh, been a, actually a fan of your product for a number of years. Um, in, in terms of full disclosure, uh, my university, University of the Sciences, uh, uses ExamSoft. So, Britt, welcome to the podcast. And uh, before we get into some of the you know, um, details about exam, your product, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work for ExamSoft. Oh, thank you, Rod. It's nice to nice to be here. Uh, ExamSoft is an organization that I started working with about three, uh, almost yeah, three years ago. It seems like maybe a little bit longer. And uh, prior to that, I, I worked in the online program management space with two different providers. Uh, one was a group initially called Deltac, which was purchased by Wiley Education Services, and I was there for many years. And then I also worked with another online program manager known as Academic Partnerships. 
And, and both of these two providers worked in the same higher education space, mostly nonprofit, but in sort of slightly different markets and for different purposes. And then I joined up with uh, ExamSoft because I, I really liked the idea of being with a group that worked in all facets of the campus, so both online and on ground, and being able to, to work across a, a very broad space. Uh, I also liked the work that they were doing inside of certificate and, and what I'd call event exam business. And I thought that was very interesting. And more importantly, one of the reasons why I've always appreciated the, the higher education space and the learning uh, knowledge space is simply because you're really impacting people's lives in a positive and meaningful way. And I think that education as a whole is a great equalizer. So uh, very motivated to, to stay focused in this arena. I certainly uh, agree with your sentiment there about education. I've been in uh, higher ed uh, my entire professional life, and uh, I think it's a great, it's a great uh, area. So, so you told us a little bit about your background, and um, I'm familiar with ExamSoft. And in fact, I guess a little bit familiar. I'm sure it's changed a lot since we started using it, and uh, familiar with the the term Examplify, which I understand is the sort of the student facing uh, application. But it looks like you've got a lot going on. I was uh, looking at your website, and you, you have a lot of different products. You want to give us a quick overview of uh, what the different products are, and do they all integrate with sort of your, your main platform, uh, ExamSoft, or are they all sort of separate? Yes, yeah, so that's correct. ExamSoft is the main platform, and it's broken into two parts, if you will, the exam maker part and the exam taker part. And we do call the exam taker part Examplify. That is an actual application that is downloaded onto a test taker's uh, device. And then the exam soft portals are where you go in to see your scores or where the exam makers make those tests and then are and grade those tests and, and, and post those exams as well. And so that is, that's the two core elements of what exam soft is. Then within that, there are a lot of features and additional tools and resources that an exam maker can add to the exam to provide different uh, types of experiences. So for instance, let's say they're wanting to do a, a polling feature, for instance, they might use the exam now tool, which they might, which uh, exam takers might use on their laptop or their cell phone or their iPad. Um, let's say they want to do something that is very specific to um, uh, to a rubric style evaluation, then they might use the exam score product. Uh, let's say they're in a situation where they feel they need to do remote proctoring, then they might use the exam monitor or the exam ID functionality. And these are all functionalities that integrate into that core exam soft offering and help find different ways in which they can provide assessment for their, their students or their exam takers. Interesting. You know, I, I, our pharmacy school was the first, uh, uh, group at my institution to to use ExamSoft, and so I wasn't familiar with some of these other other features. Uh, are, are they relatively new? Can you give me a little bit about the history? I, I didn't know, for example, that you had audience response or you had uh, exam ID, exam monitor. How how new are they? All of these have come out of uh, the request of our clients. Uh, these have all been things that folks have said we really wish you had X. And so, uh, as with any good organization trying to, to please their client base, you're trying to say, okay, how, how would that help? How would we do that? And then is that something we should build, partner, or buy? And to add on that experience and integrate it with our offering. So, most of these types of opportunities are things that have actually developed over a long period of time. But many of them have come to market, I would say, in the last three years in terms of them being uh, thing, uh, or offerings that people can utilize. So, um, 
exam now was one of the one of the earlier offerings that we put together. Uh, that was something that was um, be created a format and a structure that enables us to then work on some of the other offerings in a similar capacity in terms of how they interacted with the product. Um, exam score is actually part of an acquisition of a company that we acquired over at LiftUp, as well as an internal development as well. So there's a, a UK company that was known as LiftUp, and they were now part of ExamSoft. And they focused very highly on some of the, the medical arenas that were that provided rubrics-based assessments. And we also had our own rubrics platform as well. And so we brought those two things together to create that exam score offering. Uh, it can do some very nice specific opportunities for OSCE and medical education, but it can also do much broader offerings. And now that we're part of uh, Turnitin, we're working on incorporating that exam score into the, the Turnitin feature suite as well. And so you'll, you can see some of that already, but you'll see a lot more of that uh, coming out throughout this year and into next year. Okay, now I got it. So I'm not that far behind the times. Uh, so it's about three years. Uh, it's probably been that long since I was uh, involved with uh, implementation of uh, ExamSoft. So exam score, because when I saw exam score and that uh, had to do with rubrics, I thought, didn't you already have some sort of rubric? So I guess you're just enhancing that with your new acquisition. That's correct. We've we've um, we've really broadened out what that rubrics tool can do, and continue to broaden it out as we go forward, um, because obviously there is more than one way to do an assessment. We want to try to make sure we're providing as many opportunities as our clients need to be able to be successful. Now, one of the major things that, uh, as a techie myself, and being involved with some of the behind the scenes uh, software and the learning management systems. Are your products always used in conjunction with the learning management system? Uh, is there integration uh, or, or sometimes are they used sort of a, in a standalone mode? We do have them used in a standalone mode, but that's usually not in a higher education environment. That would typically be more in a event exam or certification style situation. Um, usually all of our higher education folks are utilizing it in corporation with their LMS. And we do have, um, it does talk back and forth to the LMS to make it an easy uh, push and pull scenario for our, for our exam makers. And uh, it also is something that is typically we, we are seeing more and more universities, and we really encourage this to work with a single sign-on situation. So it just becomes a seamless flow so that people are able to um, not have to think about switching back and forth between platforms. Right, right. You know, when I first heard about ExamSoft, probably at one of the meetings I used to attend, uh, uh, certainly Blackboard World, we were a Blackboard school for a long time, uh, or... Um, uh, Educause and so forth. I'm sure I heard about you a long time ago, but uh, I, I was interested to to hear that you got your start with uh, uh, legal, the bar exams, I guess. Correct. Is that right? And then, that is correct. And then um, was pharmacy one of your uh, targets after that, or did it just grow? It, it really just, yeah, it just sort of developed. So if you think about, there were a couple of gentlemen who took a, a bar exam with the old blue book. And as you can imagine, two days of, of pencil writing is, is very laborious. Uh, and they said, there's got to be a better way. Why can't we just use our computer? Uh, and that was the germination of ExamSoft. And so they formed the company and, and uh, it continued to progress. And many bar, uh, or, uh, bar jurisdictions did adopt ExamSoft. And then, of course, that led to law schools saying, well, we'd like to do what the bars are doing. And so they adopted it. And so now you started crossing over into that university environment. And um, after some ownership changes, uh, there was this real appreciation that anybody who works with a, what I would call high stakes testing inside of an education entity could really benefit from the product. And then that was where we really started also appreciating the uh, all of the data 
and the data analysis that the tool could do and how that could make their life so much more efficient. And so um, most of the healthcare arena was were early adopters in that because there's a lot of data and a lot of information that they need to get right in order to be able to help improve learning outcomes. And so um, there was a heavy adoption in the healthcare side of higher education first, but we're now in many aspects of most universities at this point in time. So you must have grown quite a bit. I imagine um, the pandemic has had some impact on your on the uptake. Has, has that uh, increased well, your, your sales in the past year or so? Um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, it hasn't necessarily increased the velocity of the client base in terms of adding new organizations. Uh, what it's done, though, is it's caused for broader adoption uh, across some of those universities because they they need to deliver uh, digitally. They can't deliver on a paper anymore. And so um, we've, we've certainly seen uh, larger adoption in that regard and also to some extent faster adoption. So it may have been something they were planning to do in a phased approach over a year and a half. And instead they said, okay, now we got to do it in two months. Um, and so from that perspective, it did change that. But I would say that probably 90% of our clients gave the predominant use of ExamSoft was actually on campuses uh, prior to, to the, the pandemic. And then of course, afterwards, there becomes a real flexibility to figure out how do we how do we continue to do this, but maybe in a more remote capacity. The nice thing about the ExamSoft tool is for the exam taker, the experience is exactly the same. Actually, even the exam maker, they're creating the test in the exact same way. They're posting it the same way. The exam taker is downloading the test the same way and taking the test the same way. The only difference is whether or not there's a remote proctor piece to that equation or not. It's funny, when I think back in the early days of um, even before we had ExamSoft, uh, we were trying to do a lot of testing using the native uh, tools in in Blackboard, for example. And boy, you get you get you know three hundred uh, students trying to take the exam at the same time. It just uh, it just doesn't work. They can't even log on. You know, all those students trying to log on at the same time. And once we discovered ExamSoft, we thought uh, that this is great. You know, can they can download their exams off? You know, and then when when they're taking it, they're disconnected from the internet and they can take their exam. There's really um, no distractions. And, and we've had 270,000 or more exam takers at a simultaneous time taking one test. So there's the scale is really unbelievable. I know that that was an incredible advance. Um, and of course we used to do it still in, when we were on ground, do it in a, in a, uh, a large uh, room designed for, for, for testing. And we had uh, human proctors walking around so then, uh, you know, when we moved to uh, emergency online teaching with Zoom last year, <laughs> um, that must have really thrown a monkey wrench and probably gave a lot of our faculty a lot of sleepless nights trying to figure out how they're going to do all this. So what can you tell me about proctoring and, in, in uh, you know, the integrity of the exams in a remote situation? How does that work with your product? So most of our, our clients will choose to use what we call exam ID and exam monitor, which are, are two products that are focused on integrity from a digital perspective uh, that oftentimes enhance in a remote environment. So exam ID is simply what, what it says. It's making sure that you are the person you say you are taking the exam and it's doing that through a picture. So when you first, uh, uh, when, when our clients first engage exam ID, they're making sure there's a baseline image that's created, whether that's something that they're providing 
to the testing environment or whether that's something that the person is setting and you get to approve as the exam taker that baseline image and say, yep, that's me, that's the one I'm using. Um, and then the next time you go to sit for any exam, it's going to take a picture and it's going to say that looks like the same person or it doesn't. And then for some reason, it doesn't look like the same person. It's going to pass it over to your exam administrator who's going to say, wait a second, um, Bob, you look like Susie. What's going on here? <laughs> um, the good news is I will tell you that it very rarely do people actually try to, to do that. But, you know, obviously that would be that, what that uh, validation is for. Um, the other piece is the exam monitor piece, which is going to take a video of you, a video and audio recording of you while you're taking your exam. And it, it's going to look throughout that uh, duration of that exam to see if there might be anything that would be um, what the uh, exam administrator would consider to be inappropriate or a breach of integrity. And so that's done through two ways. And number one is there is an automated system that runs and looks to see if there's something that looks uh, amiss. And then there's also a remote digital proctor who's going to independently look through that uh, the video to make sure that there's nothing that looks remiss. And if there is something, they simply flag it. It goes to the exam administrator and then the exam administrator is the one at the university who gets to, to review that to see whether or not they think that there is something that should be considered of concern. Um, again, most people uh, are very honest, so there's usually not an issue, but obviously this is a way to just protect the level of the integrity to make sure that there is not some impropriety that's occurring. And the reason why that's so important, and that's really what I always want to focus on, because people think, oh, this is concerning to me. There's somebody taking a video of me. Well, the, the reality is if you're in a big exam room, theoretically, somebody would be watching you. You would have live proctors watching you there. The idea is, is virtually the same. It's just in a digital environment. And it's so important because if without good testing information, then you can't have good data and you don't have good results. And then you're not really sure how to help those people improve, how to make sure you're meeting learning outcomes, how to make sure you're making the test appropriate and better for future tests, how you make sure you're teaching to the right material. And so you really want that data to be right. And if that data is not right, uh, then that obviously makes it more challenging for everybody going forward. There are two questions that come to mind about that. Now, um, I'm working mainly with our online division. We started two years ago, started a new uh, youth sciences online division. So we've never seen our students face-to-face. Uh, -face. Um, it could be that, um, you know, they got somebody to take the test for them. Is, is when, when, I assume the students have to do a sort of a baseline registration with the, with the ID, exam ID. Is there any effort to... Um, Make sure it's really the right person by do they have to show a, a, you know photo id or a passport or something because we have foreign students and so on yeah we leave that up to the exam administrators to how they want to handle that uh, we've had different people do it different ways um, but the product itself is not trying to capture a passport or a, a driver's license because of uh, privacy information so what we're doing is we're just capturing that person's image just like you're seeing my face right now in this in this uh, virtual environment and, um, and so we're capturing that. And then if the exam administrator wants to compare that to an ID or a passport or some other material, they are they do have the right to do that. They can also upload the picture if they choose to, if they have a, a predetermined uh, student ID, for instance, that is something that they could do as well as an exam administrator. I see that, yeah, that certainly makes sense. The other thing is, do you, uh, when you're comparing, uh, when you're raising a flag, I guess, if the person changes their hair or is wearing glasses or, is is there AI involved? Uh, that's quite part of the first part of the question. The second, have have uh, you gotten pushback from students or faculty about using that sort of facial recognition? 
So yeah, those are great questions. Um, number one is we don't actually don't like to call it facial recognition for a lot of reasons. We like to call it facial identification or facial authentication. And the reason why is because recognition is typically um, utilized when you're comparing one picture to a larger data set of pictures, uh, much like the FBI might do to see, pick somebody out of a lineup to see whether or not they might be a criminal. And that's a very uh, obtuse process that is a bit more onerous, that has a lot of concerns uh, around it. Whereas facial authentication is taking one picture and matching it specifically to another picture. So um, think about it, uh, you know, Apple uses this technology all the time when you turn your iPad add on and when you use the lock feature on your iPad as an example, it's matching the picture to the exact other picture and do those pictures completely match up. And so it's really a very simple matching technology in that regard. Um, people do get concerned, of course, whenever you hear the word AI, because uh, as any machine learning, it's only as good as its trainer. And so you have to mitigate for that concern. And the way in which we do that is we always make sure that the exam administrator is the one who ultimately is making the final call. There's always a human involved and it's always the human at the university or at the event exam that's, that's making that decision. So a flag is simply a flag. It basically is saying here, this is flagged because there is an anomaly here. Something doesn't match. And then they get to, to, to look at that and see whether or not they view that that is a match. We've had students grow facial hair. We've had students wear glasses or not wear glasses. We've had students take pictures in different lighting and it all, it all goes through just fine. Um, but if for some reason there was uh, a, a dramatic change that did not uh, stand out and sort of stood out as, as being flagged as an anomaly, the exam administrator would review that and be able to then um, ask any questions or pursue that however they felt was appropriate by their, their guidelines. You know, uh, you've been growing, you've acquired some and uh, companies now you, you've been acquired. I, I understand that a while back you, you uh, had a partnership with uh, ProctorU. We used them for a while as our uh, proctoring solution. Um, How's that worked? Have you incorporated some of their technology or is the partnership still ongoing? So, um, yeah, we've, we've actually used two different organizations for proctoring partnerships, uh, one of which has now also been acquired by Turnitin. <laughs> so um, you'll, you'll see that uh, if you haven't already. Um, but the ProctorU partnership, basically the way in which that is done is that we have we capture the video and we make sure all the sound of video is captured. Their proctors, only their their virtual proctors review that video to see if there is anything that might be an anomaly in terms of test taking and then provide that feedback back to the, the professor. But it's all done inside of the exams off platform. So really what we're doing is we're utilizing their trained professional proctors to review that, that information and then provide that feedback back to the exam administrator. I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, how about turn it in? I know it's very early, relatively early um, stage of this um, um, acquisition. Um, how do you see uh, your products benefiting from uh, Turnitin? Have, I'm sure you've, you're thinking about it if you haven't actually done anything yet. How, how's that going? Well, it's it's really wonderful that Turnitin is a, a very large leader in what I would call the integrity space. Um, they've done a very nice job growing uh, their business in that regard. And they've made it a, a clear goal to be an end assessment platform. So it's not just about integrity, but it's really about the overall student learning and objectives and the outcomes. And how are we going to, to help grow uh, with folks in that regard? And so um, 
it's really a natural marriage for us. Uh, they've got some some tools internally in terms of how they're helping with grading and how they're helping improve writing. And so from this perspective, I think it's a it's a very nice marriage in that regard. Uh, we're excited about the things that we're being able to bring in from Turnitin. I think they're very excited about the, uh, some of the opportunities that they have to work with us to help um, continue to grow that that is, that end to end assessment. Well, you know, I'm I'm all for uh, you know when when you're in the position of a university uh, incorporating different companies' products, it's it's makes it our job easier when we're working with one company rather than two or three or four. So, like they say, of one throat to choke instead of three. <laughs> so I hope this uh, does us well. I'm sure it will with, with you. Uh, are there any um, any uh, areas that we haven't touched on that you'd like to uh, emphasize? Any any growth areas for the future? Any new technologies that you, you want to clue us in on? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I think the most exciting um, opportunities are going to come from the data itself. Every day we're finding new things that, that we can do uh, with that data that will help our clients and will help our universities, help our students be able to continue to improve uh, their learning outcomes. Uh, and that's really what ultimately what this is all about is how do, how do you use assessment to better yourself, uh, to become go from a novice to an expert, and how do you continue to, to grow? And so if we can find more ways to enable the data to accomplish that in, in an active and efficient way, you know, data for data is just data, but data that is active that you can put into um, a way that improves uh, the environment or the situation. That's meaningful and that's impactful. And so I think those are the, those are the areas of opportunity that we're continuing to look at um, so that we, as this merger continues, I think you'll see us uh, have a lot of opportunities in that regard. Well, we're almost at the end of our time. I want to be respectful of your time. I just was wondering if uh, we want to finish up with any of your ideas about, are we really... Um, Coming back to our normal, pre-pandemic pre normal, what do you think the, the future is going to be in terms of uh, what your expectations are, how you think uh, this so-called new normal will affect uh, your business and prospects? So I don't know how it will. I don't have a, I'm not omniscient and don't have a crystal ball. However, if I were a, a, a guessing man, if you were a prognosticator, I guess I would say that I, I think that there is an embracing of the digital technology and appreciation that if it can make your life easier, if it can be more efficient, if it can be more impactful, then you're going to want to find ways to utilize that, that, that tool or that resource. Uh, I do think from the level of disbursement, people start to appreciate things like the flipped classroom even, even more and how can we use, put that to our benefit. And if these are digital tools that can help empower that, then they're going to want to embrace those. And so from that perspective, I don't know that we'll ever go back to the way we were, but I also don't think we're going to just completely forge ahead in an entirely digital environment all the time, because I think it's really important that the learning be tailored to the environment that you're and the outcome you're trying to achieve. So for instance, a high stakes summative test may not always be appropriate for certain situations at the same point in time, maybe that's exactly what's needed in another environment. Uh, an on-campus environment may not be needed for quizzes, but you really wanna do it for the summative, or maybe it's not needed for the summative, but you really wanna do it for the quizzes. There, there's different, there's different um, ways to, to build a productive and successful program. And I think the most important thing is that educators take that into account, try to understand the audience and the outcomes that they're trying to meet, and then be able to provide that, that experience for those individuals. Uh, 
Um, I can't imagine myself taking pottery digitally as a great example, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. And maybe that's the right, right uh, outcome for certain types of individuals. And so meeting, meeting people where they're at and then helping them grow and learn from there, I think is what this particular uh, situation has taught everybody. We have to learn how to adapt and we should try to always be trying to do. I am optimistic that eventually we're going to get through the pandemic. And even though there's going to be some uh, blips here and there with the new um, variants of the, of the um, virus, uh, I think it's really accelerated online. In fact, one of the people I interviewed not too long ago, uh, president of university, uh, when I asked if they thought that the, are they going to return on ground, uh, you know, for the in our new normal and they and they never used to have online courses but Mm. the comment was i love this we can get people from all over the world talking to our students so i think uh you know we're not going to stay 100 online but i think more and more that's what we're going to see yeah i think flexibility is key going forward absolutely yeah Uh, in fact what's the high flex is the uh the term of the day these these days uh have a high flex environment so um, Britt, I want to thank you again so much. I think this was great. I, I learned a lot. I had really had no idea that you did all do all the things you do. So, um, and uh, congratulations on your merger with uh, Turned In. I'm, I'm sure this will be great for all involved. We're looking very much forward to it. And I really appreciate the time that you've, you've spent with us today. Thank you. Thank you. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I really got a lot out of it. I learned a lot that I didn't know about ExamSoft. So stay tuned for the full song, 50 Ways to Lose Your Luggage. Till next time, have a great week. The problem is all the new increased security. That's what the O'Hare baggage service said to me. We think your garment bags in Stuttgart, Germany, there must be 50 ways to lose your luggage I said again It must take roomfuls of your files I should wish my missing bags Received their frequent flyer miles No doubt they've earned a trip To the Polynesian Isles With all your 50 ways to lose your luggage 50 ways to lose your luggage Just at the sky cap, Jack. Agree to get bumped, gump, board in the dark, mark, or try to fly free. Pack too much weight, Kate, or arrive at the gate, late. Just make the crew cross, Ross, and get your bags lost. Ooh, pack too much gel, Mel, close them with locks, Knox. Fly when it's snowy, Chloe, or boarding group C. There's gonna be snags, Babs, so don't lose your bag tags! Cause I've got a feeling, Leland, your stuff's in New Zealand. Why must it be the most important stuff they lose? I wished I'd carried on my clothes and checked the pills and booze. I thought, well, I'll tour this place in just a pair of shoes. Who'll notice anyway? I streaked through town till some policeman shouted halt And I believe he mentioned something about a sexual assault And then he cuffed me But you realize it's really not my fault 
It's cause there's 50 ways to lose your luggage 50 ways to lose your luggage Just pack lots of fruit, newt Check it online, Klein Fly at Christmas, Chris You poor SOB If connections are tight, Dwight Or you're bumped to a night flight Have fun in LA, Ray Your stuff's in Bombay Pack too much liquid, dickwad Joke about bombs, Tom Carry on mace, Grace Then lose your ID Bring cans of Raid, Jade Then run when they're x-rayed If your luggage is stinky, Twinkie It's shot to Helsinki According to FAA regulations Any piece of baggage left unattended Will be taken out to the tarmac and blown up By me That's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company. Podcast.